0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Chelsea Miked Up. I'm your host, Mike Ryan Ruiz. On this week's episode of Chelsea Miked Up, we'll discuss Chelsea's two-one win over Hull, but there's still some concerns over advancing into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Frank Lampard has some harsh words. We'll get into that. We have a crossover event with our friends Nick and Dan from the London is Blue podcast, and we'll take some questions from you, courtesy of the Fist Stand app. Oh, and we got a huge match against Leicester. We'll get into that and more on this week's episode of Chelsea Miked Up.
1: Man, I got man, I got swag i be in a blue shirt chasing a bag Long from back
0: Welcome be- in Chelsea Mike Dub. Chelsea on the heels of a victory in the FA Cup over Hull City 2-1 the final Chelsea continue their almost certain march to Wembley as uh, they do the necessary things although it was a little bit nervous towards the end of that match and we'll get into uh, Frank Lampard's interesting comments post-match but first things first it's important for Chelsea To continue advancing in this tournament, Chris Winningham, not only because it's more matches for a young team, but also Chelsea is a club, and their fans sort of identify with this. Part of their identity is winning trophies. And despite all the chaos of Antonio Conte's last season, despite yelling in one Wembley final between Kepa and the manager Maurizio Sarri, it ended, that whole campaign ended with a trophy being lifted. So for Chelsea... It's what's at the end of the rainbow for this club, even in the darkest times. Trophies and chaos. <laughs> trophies <laughs> that, and chaos. That is the the identity of the club, and uh, it's kind of amazing
2: to me. We're going to get into some of the criticisms right now of this club that, frankly, the manager is leveling at the club. Um, and I wonder if at times there's a bit too much scrutiny right now on things that are negative right now with Chelsea because... I heard this caller on 606 last night uh, on the BBC and he was saying, if you gave me before the season top four, progressing in the FA Cup, progressing in the Champions League, would have bit your arm off for that. And maybe they're not in a position where because the season started so well that they could be in a better position. I think at times a little bit of excessive expectations that are built because of good performances rather than understanding that this is probably where the club is right now.
0: Well, let me take your lead and let's concentrate briefly on the positives, if we may. Mm-hmm. Positive number one. You needed Michi Batshuayi to step up. And as predicted on Chelsea Chatter, which you can <laughs> find on Chelsea's fist hand app, he got on the score sheet. And he got on the score sheet early, Chris. A much-needed goal, not just for his confidence, but perhaps for his future here at Chelsea. Right, and
2: this is coming on the heels of... Chelsea being linked to Edinson Cavani and a bunch of other strikers and other clubs in this window trying to go after strikers and Betsuaye has to hold on to his place. It's kind of remarkable because at times he's looked for a better situation, but right now his situation is back up to Tammy Abraham and he has to even hold on to that. And so to get a goal, obviously strikers are judged on goals. There is a little bit of a downside in his performance. It was that he could have done more. Right? I mean, you get one goal, but. In a team that's creating chances, you want the striker to kind of be in and around it, and he wasn't really after he gets his goal. Understanding understand that's a big moment, but he can do more with it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure Michi did enough, per se, to get some of the Chelsea Twitter accounts out there who are yearning for another striker added to this club. I don't think he's he's done enough to call off the dogs in that respect. But I will say, Michi Bachwai corner to the sats, He scores a goal for Chelsea every 92 minutes. That's not bad production from a backup striker. I know he went through a little bit of a dip, and I think some of the frustrations of him not being able to put away some of the high-quality crosses that Reese James delivered when they were on the pitch previously led to that added frustration. Obviously, Chelsea weren't really expected to be in this sort of situation in which they were looking to add here in the winter window, so I think a lot of people have the saucer eyes, Chris. That being said, Chelsea do need more. Frank Lampard has spoken about the lack of a killer instinct, the inability to put the ball in the back of the net. Michi Batshuayi is a, stri- uh, is a striker. You've mentioned several times, goals are their currency. It's good to see him get that goal, but I'm I'm not certain he's done enough here. I agree, and I think uh, Frank Lampard
2: agrees with you, because he said, quote, at times he's made an impact, at other times not so much. And And that's what I'm talking about is, yes, you get a goal, but it needs to be consistent impact. I will say, though, the chances that came in this game that I think Frank Lampard would would rue missing a one fell to Ross Barkley, where Kovacic, who I had a couple of great half-turns at put passes in. One, Mount put, slides in a perfect ball for Ross Barkley, gets in ahead of the keeper. Got to finish it for me. Mateo Kovacic slides in Mason Mount. He's in at the keeper, tries to chip him. The keeper makes the save. Then Pedro had a couple of chances, one down either side that he doesn't finish. One, he drags wide. The other, he tries to chip the goalkeeper and hits side netting. So those are the chances that they didn't take. But when you get back to Y, yes, he takes... The first chance of the game, and he gets a goal, but he's not really in and around the chances either. I mean, the one that he scored that took a pretty wicked deflection is probably his only big chance of the game, and that's the concern is that strikers have to be around chances, not just put away the one that they get, and that's what I think Batchway doesn't really do enough of.
0: Well, Fakeo Tomori appears to have a nose for goal himself at the center back position. It was good to see him back in the starting 11, Tomori, with a, a big goal that put Chelsea up 2-0, and you thought, oh, okay, this is Chelsea finally putting one of these teams away. That's that killer instinct that Frank Lampard was talking about. But no, whole city come roaring right back, and Chelsea are put on their heels a little bit and end up sort of feeling like they're hanging on for dear life in order to advance in the FA Cup, which is, by I think uh, any rational person would tell you, this is their best and most likely chance at getting some hardware this season. We all know how difficult the Champions League is, and it seems as though the league has already been won by Liverpool. So Chelsea need to do something not only to their roster, it would seem, given some of the manager's comments, which we'll get into momentarily, but you need to improve this squad in order to improve your chances to give you that trophy that so many of us Chelsea fans identify ourselves
2: with. And that understanding and that acknowledgement, it presents such a difficult challenge because where does the squad need to improve? Who can improve it? And that for me, it's always an acknowledgement. I always kind of cringe a little bit at managers that talk so openly about needing to improve because you're basically telling your team not good enough. And I think... That can also be a message towards internal improvement, but also where is where are the areas to improve? And let's hear from Frank Lampard because he basically came out and said, I have an idea of where we can improve.
0: We got a punishment in the, in the summer for right or for wrong where we couldn't bring in players
2: and the punishment is meant to hurt you. So we couldn't bring anyone in. And we lost to probably the well certainly one of the biggest players in our history and most effective and, and uh, dominant players in our history in terms of what he did for this club over the last decade and the last six seven years whatever it is um, so w- that's the situation and my my job I suppose is the first part of my job is to work every day on the training ground with the players every day can we get better can we get better and to drive that and then the other part for us as a club is how do we move forward by bringing in players And we and we lost ground last summer so yeah we're trying to now, we need to now for the short term to, to push for this top four because it's quite clear I have a strong feeling about where we can improve personnel wise uh, to take us forward. So for me, it's clear. And the question I'd ask you, Mike, is where do you think Frank Lampard is saying that he thinks he can improve and where do you think? that Chelsea can improve.
0: Well, to your earlier point about Frank Lampard, I understand that this is a, a younger team than than years past, but listen, a manager, a Chelsea manager campaigning publicly for signings is nothing new <laughs> at this club. That being said, I think competition is a good thing for all players. I think it might come as a shell shock and some players might respond to it the way that maybe Christian Pulisic earlier in the season responded to the adversity of not getting playing time. And some might wilt under that pressure we've seen several great players world-class players whether it's lukaku or kdb not exactly respond to the bright lights of Stanford bridge for one reason or another chelsea's just not for everybody and i don't say that to sort of excuse their lack of development for those players it just seems to be a thing at chelsea and lord knows they've been trying it with backup strikers. Ever since Drogba left, they had to bring Drogba back as a backup striker to fill that need. So I think I love Michi. Michi's had really nice moments for this club. But when we need added punch, when Frank Lampard's deciding to throw two strikers on there, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out this season. And you need someone that's got a nose for goal. Someone that could—this is unfair— but Frank Lampard even said it himself to BT Sport after the game. They're missing Eden Hazard. This is a broken record here on Chelsea Mike Dub. They need someone who has match winning qualities. And William has those match winning qualities, but unfortunately, it's not game in and game out. And every seventh game, William will win you that, and you realize that's why you start him every game. But you need several more of those players that have that special ability, so you're not just depending on William to carry you in those moments. Some of the names that Chelsea are being linked to are expected to have that quality but don't just have it yet or have displayed it at lower levels. Not the Premier League, not the bright lights of Stamford Bridge. But if the manager, who knows this squad so well, is saying that they need more, I'm always going to fall in line with what the manager says. I did it with Maurizio Sarri when he came aboard. I know he has a vision. He's proven to be a dynamic manager in my eyes, so I'm going to go ahead and trust them. And he hasn't been shy. He's not going to give you the names, but he knows exactly what the spots are that they need improvement. Yeah, I'd just be curious
2: what he believes them to be because he's trusted Tammy Abraham week in, week out to be his center forward and... I don't think he'd be looking there. You mentioned Pulisic. That's an area where they've signed. Now, they will have positions to replace when Willian and Pedro do eventually go. So maybe you do have more wingers to bring in. You have Hudson-Odoi, who we talked about, is nineteen. In central midfield, you just added Mount. You paid a lot of money to bring Kovacic in. Jorginho and Kante are more big money signings. Do you need a creator there? Do you need help at fullback? And I think that might be one. Left back could definitely be one. But I just don't know. Like, I don't know what he thinks. And again, if it's just about getting world-class players in, then a player who I think could be available that has that quality is Wilfried Zaha. And that's why they talk about him so much. Is because for Crystal Palace, that's his job. His job is almost singularly attack opposition. I could see Zaha unsettling that locker room more than Cavani. But I think, like you said, that might be a good thing. Mm -hmm. That competition might be necessary for those wing players to deliver more consistently because I think Wilfried Zaha is asked to do this every week. And Crystal Palace have basically stayed in the Premier League the last three years because because of of the single individual brilliance of Wilfred Zaha. That might be the kind of player that we're talking about.
0: Perhaps it's time to not care so much about some of the other players' feelings if someone comes in on a big money weekly wage
2: deal. But this is where what you mentioned earlier conflicts, right? Mm -hmm. Because you said... Well, KDB and Salah didn't stick around because maybe the development wasn't prioritized, but this is part of development. Part of development is taking some lumps and allowing Mason Mount some time to prove whether or not he's world class or of this class. I don't, I don't mean world class, but of this class of playing at a big club and delivering hudson Adoy and Abraham and all these guys, you have to give them time to prove whether or not they can play at this level,
0: and I don't know if seven months is enough time. We can debate this back and forth, but why don't we infuse this podcast with some new voices. I'm a fan of our upcoming guests. They're two-thirds of London is Blue. I listen to London is Blue weekly. These guys do such a great job breaking the game down tactically, as good as anybody breaking down Chelsea football. I love their passion for the club and I certainly love their tone. In the age of uh, yelling Twitter accounts, these guys hit the mark. So we're going to catch up with Nick and Dan from London is Blue and talk about some of these issues plaguing Chelsea.
2: Get the latest Chelsea news straight to your phone. Download the FitStand app, the official Chelsea
0: app. We now bring in Nick Verlaney and Dan Dormer from London Is Blue. It's a it's a shame I couldn't collect all three. I didn't get the complete set here. What's going on? Where's Brandon at? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Brandon is in Vegas right now. He he had a kind of spur of the moment trip, but yeah, the, the three amigos are were the typical hosts of the, the London is blue podcast. This is Nick.
1: And this is Dan. And you know, I, I think we're just hoping that, you know. Brandon comes back and uh, has won a lot of money on a Chelsea bet to win the Champions League. I mean, that, that's that's what I gave him a couple bucks to do. So
0: Perhaps a recalibration? Uh, certainly FA Cup. We got our eyes on the FA Cup right now. Any takeaways from that match with Hull City? I, I think Frank Lampard obviously wasn't hiding his feelings in the post-match comments that he's still looking for more. But, I mean, we did see them finally get that second goal, and you thought that that was the, the death shot, but instead... Whole City make us nervous again. Your takeaways from the FA Cup tie against Whole City?
3: I would say this: um, the uh, the deja vu all over th- again thing is is certainly on my mind. Two 0 is apparently the the most uncomfortable lead in in soccer, and so that really reared its head. I mean, the dichotomy between. At least for me, the the first half where it was cruise control, but very little end product. And then allowing hole back into the game through some sloppy play in the second half speaks to a need for either a refresh in the squad or a different mentality.
1: Well, there's also the benefit, I think maybe on the positive side of things, of the return of Fukuyo Tomori, not just from a defensive standpoint and being very resolute in that area, but bringing goals Goals from a defender, which is something that we haven't seen a ton of. I mean, Aspie is contributing. For goals from a center back, Mike. The return of those is something that I think we can all be very, very happy about with Fakayo's return.
0: Well, Fakayo Tamori has been huge to Chelsea when he's actually been on the pitch. And I think this speaks to another issue that's been plaguing Chelsea, which is fitness. If you were to put together... Chelsea's best starting eleven, just from performance this season. I guarantee you that starting 11 hasn't featured all at the same time on the same pitch at all this season. Fitness is something that, you know, when you're at this level of club football, it's going to happen. You're not going to have all your guys available. But to see Tamori get on the score sheet and actually display some of what Frank Lampard's been so publicly yearning for, I think is a good sign. One of the players that I'm most intrigued by... The person that I think has flashed the most all world potential in recent performances has been Reese James. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about? Your thoughts on Reese James from that right back position, some of those incredible crosses. He absolutely plugs a massive need for this club.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's not many companies in the world that can deliver packages or a ball in the way that Reese James can. I mean, he's essentially uh, FedEx-level quality. You know, he's not a DHL type of experience. You're going to get the ball delivered into the right area, Nick. And I think Reese just continues to... Matches that he is not absent in make me yearn for his return back to the side. I think he is going to lock down that position for quite some time, again, as long as he can stay healthy.
3: I mean, he's been a weapon going forward, obviously. I I think that he's been improving defensively as well. And one of the things that we've kind of noted over the last couple of weeks, Mike, is the consistent relationship. You know, if he's able to play with Callum a little bit more, developing that relationship down the flank is going to be absolutely crucial for this team because, As you'll note, we've switched our back line quite a bit this year, and uh, and so I think the comfort level, not only in defense where there's been a little sloppiness, but moving into attack would be well done if we had a consistent right back and right wing pairing, and I think that could be the case with Callum and Reese.
0: Well, we're missing Brandon, who's usually a a spokesperson for the goalkeeper union. So I'll I'll (laughs) take the mantle from him. Chris Whittingham, my neutral observer friend, and I were going back and forth quite a bit on last week's episode of Chelsea Miked Up on Kepa, and Chris has some pretty strong opinions on Kepa.
2: Yeah, I think that sometimes the criticism is a little unfair, but it's also based on Kepa not really meeting a standard of a seventy million dollar player, almost regardless of position, and it comes from a place of you want Kepa to be good in the air. Strong off his line great with his feet and be able to do everything and I think at times he just feels like he's not that level Uh, do you guys think at some point and I'll start with you Nick that Kepa can reach that level and be that consistent
3: performer in all areas every week I sure hope so you know I haven't necessarily seen it this season and while I think you're right in your analysis so far I also wouldn't place all the blame at his feet I know this will make our colleague Brandon's heart warm that I'm not going to blame the goalkeeper for everything, but certainly our transition into defense has not been great at times this year and he's been put in some difficult positions, but he also has to come up with moments of magic, just like, you know, most Premier League goalkeepers are expected to. And, and that just hasn't really happened yet. So I hope so, but uh, you know, maybe cautiously optimistic.
1: I don't know. I'm, I tend to be a very positive person in general and my position on Keppa is not, super positive anymore I think that you know he definitely has done a lot from a shot stopping perspective when it comes to the the penalty shootouts and that's been phenomenal but part of it is the defensive rotation I I think that that definitely would make your life difficult if you're relying on people at work and they kind of change in and out every day and definitely acquiesce that point but on the other side There's things that he has within his control, his positioning, his ability to get fingers on the ball and actually keep the ball out. It's just arriving on time. and, And ultimately... I am more concerned than I was at the beginning of the season that he has a long-term opportunity with the club. I think the biggest challenge is that price tag because you're looking at 14 to 15 million pounds amortized over the lifetime of the contract, and that's going to be a really, really difficult situation to get ourselves out of at some point if we do want to move on from Kepa.
0: Well, you say you're positive, so let's tap into some of that positivity because this has been a pretty somber podcast so far, considering Chelsea are actually coming off of a win. And compared to the podcast that we did after that Arsenal draw, I'd much rather have a more positive experience. So up to this point, this is essentially the halfway point of the season. What has you really excited about the future with Chelsea? I'll go first. For one example, I think we have found a pretty dynamic manager. I know a lot of people like to do the compare and contrast with where Sari was at this point in his career last year with Chelsea and where Frank Lampard is. And Maybe the numbers are a little bit damning if you hold them up, but I do think that there's an argument for context. And given everything that Frank Lampard had to overcome, the loss of Ben Hazard, the transfer ban, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we've been talking about it all season. I do think he's proven to be dynamic, and I do trust him with solving some of these issues even though it's a little bit concerning that it's the same sort of issues popping up here nick your thoughts on frank lampard as manager and then dan you close us out with some positivity damn it
3: (laughs) so i think lampard is is going through a lot of the growing pains that you would have expected him to go through as a second year manager i mean i think it's both okay to feel hopeful and optimistic about his future as an incredibly bright human being and he has shown at times this year to be an incredibly bright manager and also be realistic with the fact that, you know, all the all the context you just gave is is what he's currently dealing with. He still has yet to sign a player as of this podcast. So we're not sure about the club's signing strategy as it relates to him. But if you look at the Tottenham game and the first Arsenal game of the season and how we played against Liverpool at home, et cetera, et cetera, there are cues here, Dan, to me, that say that he is the right man for the job and that he has a certain amount of panache to work with. And and once he has the right talent around him, we'll be able to get this thing really humming.
1: Well, and the fact is a lot of that talent is already here to bring it out on the positivity standpoint that Mike was asking for what other than Tammy Abraham could you be more excited about? You think about 15 goals across all competitions, six assists. He's averaging across the 31 matches he's played in and the just under 2,400 minutes, a goal or assist every 112 minutes. That is a phenomenal, really just acclimatization to the Premier League, to first team responsibilities at Chelsea wearing the number nine. We know that that shirt has had a lot of wearers over it in the last four, five, six seasons, and it hasn't always been great. So the fact that you're counting on Tammy, you have Christian Pulisic who's going to come back healthy, continue scoring goals. You have Mason Mount, who even on injured is still finding ways to contribute. You've got Mateo Kovacic looking bright. How can you not be excited for what's coming in the second half of the season?
2: If I was to try and highlight something from a positive standpoint, I do think there is a slight bit of virtue in just needing end product, right? Because how many teams... Man United, right? Uh, Tottenham. Don't even get to that stage, right? Don't even get to the point where it's, well, if they just had a striker to finish off the chances, they're not even creating chances. And I think that Chelsea, from an attacking standpoint, even year over year, look, I'm I'm a big fan of Maurizio. Sorry, I said it on this podcast, but in terms of where they were, at times it was very ponderous and they weren't finding answers. And he didn't implement his style of play. He failed to deliver that. At the very least, Frank Lampard is implementing his style of play. It just needs more quality from its players. And I st- I still think that having a strong system and attacking chance-creating apparatus is still a very important part of a Premier League club. And I think that Chelsea have done a pretty good job of implementing that this year. So while, yes, there is more that they can do, that will come with world-class quality uh, eventually arriving in this squad in the form of signings and internal development, which I think is going to happen by virtue of the fact that all the players that we're talking about as being a part of inconsistencies is 19 to 21-year-old players.
0: They're going to get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, we, uh, on that note, and it's curious that now all of a sudden you're willing to admit like what was troubling Maurizio Sarri what? You were a bit stubborn last yeah, year.
1: No,
2: I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, stubborn. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, he was I, firmly
0: I, entrenched in that. I'm like, why are we passing sideways? And he's like, oh, Yo, you just don't understand the layers of sorry, ball. I understand no, that we're passing sideways, Chris. No.
2: Okay, but what I was arguing was is it, the failure is not in the idea. The
0: failure is in the implementation. I think the, the failure is not admitting that there is, some, there is an issue. The failure wasn't in, in failing to admit that there was failure. And then he was putting it on the players. Whereas what I really admire about club legend, super Frank Lampard, is he identifies that there are issues. Now he's starting to put it on the players a little bit recently with some of his comments. I I think
2: Frank Lampard is saying, I need players and we need to, you know, we need to pass quickly and play between the lines. He's basically saying... He has said, we can't practice finishing any more than we do. He's saying that he's putting it on the players to say, go out there and be better, basically.
0: But he's thrown out different formations, Chris.
1: <laughs> Which is. <laughs> so basically, you want
0: the illusion of change it's as opposed not to. Just, I want effort. And Mauricio Sarri just wasn't yeah. the best at effort. Right, Dan?
1: And occasionally, we hoof the ball forward. We don't keep it on the ground. I mean, there, there's just really that right there is. If you need to see one thing that's different.
3: We beat Spurs by going over the midfield right? And and basically <laughs> mitigating that uh, part of, of what Jose Mourinho wanted to do. And yeah, there's been more tactical flexibility under Lampard. There's been more, um, I think, change of, of personnel. There's been a lot more dynamism in the final third up till that final pass. And I think maybe Chris's point, as I was taking it, is if that's all you have to fix, then maybe just a tweak here or there or a different player here or there could really make this thing go. and And So I think that's an incredibly optimistic take from someone who's not necessarily an incredible optimist.
0: All right. I appreciate that. (laughs) Make sure to follow the London is blue guys at London blue pod on Twitter. Check out the recent Chelsea DNA series. It was incredible. They had a really good interview with Mason Mount, a rising tide lifts all boats and they are proudly waving the blue flag keeping it flying high for all chelsea fans out there both in the states and abroad that are just desperately seeking good chelsea content london is blue has you covered make sure to check out these guys they're pretty good guys too we've gotten to know them in recent years here chris we went to london that's when we met them for the first time i consider them friends so highest endorsement of the london is blue guys thank you guys so much for joining us on the pod cheers guys absolutely Once again, thanks to the is Blue guys for taking the time out to join us here on Chelsea Mike Dopp. I will say that we are the only official Chelsea podcast and the only one that you should listen to and prioritize. We're enemies. You're, pre- you're protecting your turf. Yeah, yeah. But uh, those those guys are great. I was listening to that pod long before the time that Chelsea miked up even existed, and uh, those guys have been really great friends in this business. And I can't say enough good things about them. Well, actually, I can. That's enough of that. <laughs> so, I did. I actually did enjoy the slight sorry tangent that I felt like I was with you in the pub we, again. We could have done it for forty five minutes. Sorry, <laughs> just not my favorite style of play. But in the end, Chelsea taught him how to be a champion. So I can get uh, too upset with uh, some of his deficiencies let's just put it that way He
2: won a trophy they got in the champions league and i think we've seen that being in the champions league is very important for this he club never
0: won a trophy before coming to chelsea chelsea taught him the ways so he was at napoli for two years could... before that was at empoli and at very small italian clubs yeah but yeah just tell me the trophies that he won at napoli I mean, and empoli and i mean do you want him to win Siri off of juventus yeah 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 <laughs> they came with like I mean, three points yeah, i mean there were there, there you think that's the only trophy available to napoli i'm just saying well you want to co play italia yeah then i mean a trophy how about a trophy but you know what he got to two finals yeah. which is like the whole world crashing around him <laughs> like chain smoking angrily yeah. and he still found a way to lift a european cup chelsea by the way the only team in london with a european cup Are they, I've, I've never heard that one before I'll teach you a song one day. Okay. Let's get into a comment that someone left on the Fist Sand app. Now exclusive home to Chelsea Chatter, which Chelsea Chatter on an absolute heater. Now I've heard some of the criticisms. Perhaps I shy away from directly picking against Chelsea. You'll know that if uh, if I don't have the greatest feeling about the game, <laughs> I may uh, use head code. My bets. Use code. I may use code saying, man, I expect both teams to score here. It should be a tight affair. The fixture's really picking up on Chelsea, but... I have, look, I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot, it's not easy getting exact predictions right. And, a, I feel like it's like the fourth time you've done this this year. Dude, like seven times I've been bang on with these, like not only what the final score is going to be, what the results going to be, but telling you things that are actually going to happen in this game. I'm just saying. So so what was your Chelsea chatter prediction for the whole game? For those that did not have not watched your tremendous fifth-stand app content. Glad that you asked on the fifth-stand app. If you saw Chelsea chatter, you would have known that I was saying that Michi Batshuayi was going to score in that game and that Chelsea was going to win that match 2-1. Two for two. I mean, and, if you put some... Dollars on that That can yield a pretty decent return I Enter- would imagine Entertainment purposes only <laughs> I did make a third prediction And that was Man I'm so excited to see the, the classic FA Cup uniforms Coming back And that was ripped away from us As Chelsea wear all white But let's Still get Still a great away kit though It's, it's a the All whites are great Tamori loves scoring in the All-Whites, by the way. He does. Um, Ali from New York left us a message on the Fifth Sand app, and he wants to know who are the most likely transfer targets and what are the chances of them joining us? Well, I'm not going to be able to answer that second part of the question. I'm a fan just like you are. I know who Chelsea are linked to. Cavani seems to be a really hot name right now at time of recording. That seems to be like the top target that everyone thinks might happen. it's between Chelsea and Atleti, if you believe Twitter, which is always dangerous on transfer Twitter. <laughs> I will tell you who I would like to see, and it's not at all possible in this window. I have the pleasure of watching Erling Haaland, of Borussia Dortmund. That guy is appointment so watching. you want him? I mean, he's, <laughs> I think he's going to be tied down for at least another <laughs> couple windows. Although, I mean, Dortmund might be priced out because if you're Real Madrid or, or City or PSG or even Barcelona... His production is just insane, and he's doing it at every level. Guy has more goals than Tottenham and Manchester United so far this year, and he's only played an hour. Yeah. For Bruce Adorton. Like less than an
2: hour, I was yes, right. yeah.
0: But I, I, I tuned in to watch him, but I also had an eye on Jaden Sancho, who is obviously because he's English and a bit of bad business by Manchester City for dreadful business yeah, for selling him for what was it, seven million pounds, something like that. Yeah, he's got eleven goals, eleven assists. Jaden Sancho sort of fills the necessary need, has that special match-winning ability. That Chelsea are obviously lacking since losing Ed Mazzard, one of the greatest players in club history, as Frank Lampard was readily admitting in post-match comments. Sancho, for me, is a player that I would love, and it's also impossible to get him in this window, as Dortmund are still very much alive. They have PSG in the Champions League. This is uh, not exactly Chelsea chatter, but... I'd start taking an eye on Dortmund to advance because Holland is incredible. The reason why this one is realistic
2: in future, not now, I agree in January, this is not a deal to get done. Dortmund are a selling club. They make their business centered around being able to develop young players. Now look at they got Holland, at least in part. Man United were in for him. And I maybe we're willing to pay him more wages, but you can say to Holland, hey, look at all these players that have come through and gotten their big moves elsewhere. Christian Pulisic is an example of one of those players who came through, was signed to their reserve side, came through, and was sold for $60 million.
0: Yeah, so to your point, Chelsea and Dortmund have done business together, a fair amount of business together mm-hmm. here recently. Not just bachwai uh, being loaned out over there, and they did the Thorgan Hazard. Mm-hmm business as well. Pulisic, obviously, the marquee name. So it seems as though these two clubs have a pretty decent working relationship. Maybe not to the level of Real Madrid and Chelsea, where Real Madrid's president is calling Chelsea a sister club, but it's a club that we have proven that we can get along with and and work out big-time deals with. I think Sancho is very clearly destined for a return to the Premier League. So. Why not Chelsea? Why not Chelsea? And I don't know if you follow on Instagram, but Tammy Abraham is leaving a lot of comments. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's hot on that recruitment trail. And (laughs) I mean, that
2: makes all the sense in the world. I I don't think you'd pull a Pogba and go back to the club that sold him and didn't value him initially. And so I think that's kind of out of the question. United, it would make a ton of sense for them, but why would he go there to not play Champions League? And then of the clubs in London, no one's in a better position right now than Chelsea. And he's got, presumably, all these friends in, you know, we, you talk about Tammy, but, you know, Tamori and yeah, all-, all these guys who played youth level with England, and now we're playing senior level with England. And so those relationships have to be there. So it makes all the sense in the world. But that would be one for the summer. And also one of them would cost a lot of money. But I would not be surprised if that one happened.
0: Yeah, so I hope we did a good job in answering your question, Ali. Another name that I want to put on your radar that... I think if Chelsea weren't hit with a transfer ban in the summer, you might have seen Chelsea move for Philip Coutinho. Mm. He's been linked to Arsenal and Tottenham, and he never quite pulls the trigger on those moves. There's a decent relationship there with his agent. If you just want to read into some of that, and Philip Coutinho, I do think, kind of fills some of the void of having just someone that. Inhibits that quality, that special match-winning ability that Chelsea probably—well, not probably. Chelsea are definitely lacking in. I think a return to the Premier League to sort of remind everybody exactly how good he is. I just get Fabregas vibes yeah. from Philip Coutinho. And is
2: there—is there one though for this window that's realistic to you? I mean, Cavani—Cavani Cavani makes some sense. Yeah. Um, just because. He's clearly not going to be a PSG in the summer, and PSG want to recoup a fee now. Is there like a mystery player? Like, like I thought. Uh, I think I, I think mystery player is the most likely signing, just like someone that comes available out of nowhere on January 30th, and the deal is done on
0: January 31st. Yeah. So Chelsea have been known to make some surprise signings as the deadline wind down, but I do think that all the hot positive momentum is towards Cavani. And I know I got super excited when Inter-Miami were linked to him as an Inter-Miami supporter. And it seems as though Inter-Miami leaked that news to get people excited. And all they did was get Atleti excited (laughs) and and prove to Cavani and his agents that there is still a pretty top-line market for this player with reason. I think if what you need from that second striker is the confidence and knowing he can bury some of those crosses, he's better in the air than any of the strikers yeah, on the roster A clinical finisher yeah. that's what he is yeah and that's what Chelsea are lacking It's it's not overly complicated mm-hmm. a player that has proven that they can finish crosses and opportunities in front of the net and Cavani has done quite well over the course of his career, and I don't think he's really lost the the skill to knock in a sitter. I really, I really haven't. So he's certainly an interesting player. One thing to keep an eye on, though, if he does go to Atletico Madrid, what does that mean for Murata? What does that mean for Diego Costa? Diego Costa, which is, I will—is Diego Costa the mystery player? I will flip my lid if it's Diego Costa in a good way because <laughs> and he's I a, will
2: read you his transfer mark page. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: seems as though you and I are going to have another brawl in an upcoming episode of Chelsea Mike Up. Love a verbal brawl. Yes, yes, because I, I don't think you rate. Diego Kass says nearly as much as I do, but that's neither here nor there. If you're a supporter of ours, please subscribe, rate, review. Chelsea have some very exciting Premier League fixtures coming up. Also, we haven't really gotten into this. Chris, who have Chelsea drawn in the FA Cup?
2: So Chelsea drew one of the slashes, I call them, and is an either-or, and it is Shrewsbury Town or Liverpool. Now, Shrewsbury are bottom third of the league in League One, which is the third tier of English football. They were 2-0 down at home to Liverpool, the side who have only lost one game and drawn one game all season, and they come back at home two goals in ten minutes from Jason Cummings of Shrewsbury. And so they uh, force a replay at Anfield. Now, this is where the intrigue has come in. Jurgen Klopp has come out and said that because the Premier League has given Liverpool a winter break, a two-week winter break, that they will not play a league fixture, they intend to honor the winter break. And so none of these senior players will play in the replay of this fourth-round tie between Shrewsbury and Liverpool at Anfield. It is going to be a fully academy team with even the academy manager, Jurgen Klopp is not even going to be on the touchline for this one. And so Liverpool are getting a lot of criticism right now for disrespecting the FA Cup and not taking this seriously. But if they go through, it's sets to be very tasty. Liverpool, Chelsea, fifth-round tie. If they don't, then Shrewsbury are probably the upstart story of this competition, having come back from 2-0 down to even force this replay. So a lot of intrigue heading into this fifth round, and that replay will be on February
0: the 4th. So it's either Liverpool or Shrewsbury Town of League One in the fifth round of the FA Cup for Chelsea. FA Cup is for later, and we'll certainly get into that matchup as that match approaches. But huge matches on the horizon for Chelsea in the league. These are big-time matches against Leicester City and Manchester United, both teams that are struggling here recently. This means a lot, obviously, for Chelsea's top-four campaign. Real quick, give me about 90 seconds on what you like about Leicester this season and what you think in this matchup. It's a rematch of one of the better matches of the Premier League season. Chelsea started that match at the bridge like a house of fire. They were incredible. Mason Mount was making things happen with the high press, and then all of a sudden, a disappointing result at the time. But Leicester have proven to be a quality team ahead of Chelsea in the table, obviously, Your thoughts on Leicester City as that's the next match on Chelsea's docket.
2: Yeah, again, it's next three at Leicester, home Man United, home Tottenham. And you can basically lock up the top four with really good results in these next three games. But in terms of Leicester, it really is about an overall strategy when it comes to recruitment. Leicester have it, and they have done just superb business. They let Harry Maguire go, but they have a center back ready to go. They've let N'Golo Kante go. They've replaced him, and Didi. They just have a squad that makes such perfect sense and a manager in Brendan Rodgers that has him playing well. And you mentioned that match day two game. You go back to it and think... Well, this is a clash of two of the best four teams in the Premier League, but it felt so different then. We didn't know what Leicester were gonna be in their first full season under Rodgers. We didn't know what they were gonna be what Chelsea were gonna be under their first full season under Lampard. And that result feels about right. I'm just curious now how the dynamics change at the King Power and ultimately can Chelsea go away from home against very difficult opposition and what does it look like stylistic? We haven't really seen Chelsea head into a game where you don't know if they're gonna dominate the ball. They basically entered every game except for away at City in the last couple of months that way. So I'm just curious how they're going to approach it and uh, I actually think Chelsea put in their best performances against the best teams that they've played. And so we'll see what they can produce at the King Power Stadium on Saturday.
0: Well, some of those teams go right at Chelsea and Chelsea go right at them. And they can certainly hang with those. They've shown Liverpool that they can actually hang with Liverpool. And those, actually,
2: and those have been the best games of the year as well. From an entertainment standpoint, I think Saturday's going to be thoroughly entertaining.
0: Yeah, I'm actually a little worried about uh, Manchester United because their counter-attacking side and they have some world-class talent on their team. And you saw with Match Week 1, how much trouble Chelsea have had with Manchester United. I think we sort of, they play their no, strengths. No, Rashford, play, though, changes that a lot, though. Yes, Marcus Rashford's a big part of that. Very true, but I don't know if you just paid attention to their performance in uh, in the FA Cup. Man, yeah. whoo, Jesse Lingard scored. Every, <laughs> you would have thought that they won the, the uh, Champions League, given some of the feedback <laughs> there. And we'll certainly have time to get into the Tottenham Hotspur match as well in an upcoming episode. So subscribe, rate, review, as we told you earlier. This has been Chelsea Mike Up. I am Mike Ryan Ruiz. You want to do the Mike Golick and Greeny thing? I'm Chris Whittingham. Up the chelsea.